Welcome to Lose Yourself with Dr. Mike Cunningham, Bible teacher and church planter in Vineyard, Utah. When we lose ourselves in worldly distractions, we lose our value, purpose, and our passion in exchange for temporal experiences. But Jesus says that whoever would lose their life for His sake will find it. Let's learn what it means to lose yourself with Dr. Mike. Welcome to Lose Yourself. Our special guest will be Steve Pearson, pastor of Redemption Hill Church. And we're gonna take a look at Passion Week in these next coming weeks of Palm Sunday, Monday, Thursday, Good Friday, and Resurrection Sunday. We hope you enjoy our conversation. We're just blessed to have Steve with us today. We're entering a time of Palm Sunday, going into the Holy Week, and this is a very special time of the year. And so, Steve, do you have any memories of special services around Easter time? I mean, I know as pastors, we always do these services that are very important. A lot of times it's a time when people are coming back to church to try it out. Just do you have any great memories about that? You know, it's interesting because I know I know enough people. Um, I was totally immune to pastors from the South, you know, from, from most of my Christian experience. I didn't know. I don't think I knew anybody east of Colorado. Right? right. And so in, on, in the West, we're just like really super insensitive and we don't unsentimental. We don't really have, it's like, Oh yeah, whatever, you know, but, but there's such rich religious tradition in the Bible belt that, that, you know, memories and things like that are like really are, are just a part of, you know, your Christian experience right in the West. We're just hard, cold people, I guess. No, I don't not, know, <laughs> <laughs> but, that's, that's but weird. I don't, I don't really have, you know, anything about, you know, because, well, when I, when I grew up, I was Jewish, um, but we, <laughs> we celebrated Christmas and Easter. Right. And so I, I didn't really, my memories around Easter aren't really centered in any kind of faith-based thing, you know, until I came, until I came to the Lord and I just remember pro- probably the greatest memories. I was at a church in Southern California and just, um, we, we always had an Easter sunrise service in the stadium. And it was just, um, it was one of the, probably for, for me, it was one of the best services of the year because just waking up and being out there when it's dark and watching the sun come up over the, over the stadium hills and just singing and stuff. And so, so that's probably my greatest memory from, from Easter. Not, not a ton, just that it was a, you know, just a, a, a beautiful outdoor service type thing. So I love that because that is the point. I mean, the yeah. point is the resurrection. <laughs> if you're going to have a memory, at least it wasn't the Easter bunny, right? It yeah. Was, yeah. <laughs> that was, that's about, that's good stuff. But the thing is, it's interesting. You brought this point up that depending on where you're listening, if you're one part of the country, you might've grown up with Easter pageants and like Palm Sunday with children fanning little palm branches and processions and, and whatever. And you might be in another part of the country and you're like, what's that? And I think it's interesting that everyone has a different faith tradition, but it's amazing yeah. that no matter, as long as it leads to the cross and the t- empty tomb, yeah. it doesn't matter. So today I wanted to talk about Palm Sunday, otherwise known as the triumphal entry. Now, this is the first of many happenings during Holy Week where the world gets turned on its head. Whatever we think as human beings would make most logical sense, God had different plans. Now, the very first one is the triumphal entry on Palm Sunday. Jesus is walking down. This is Matthew 21. If you want to, if you're reading at home, he's making his big announcement because up until now he's been teaching, he's doing, doing ministry. And now it looks like it's going to gain traction. He's going to show up to a big crowd on a donkey, which in Zechariah 9:9 he fulfills prophecy as he does. So as they yell Hosanna and as a disciple, you're getting excited. You're thinking, okay, my investment in this movement is now going to pay off. 
And I think what's amazing about Palm Sunday is it's every bit of our expectations that I can own of if I drew this up, if I wrote this story, yeah, he's going to show up and he's going to fulfill prophecy and he's going to end Rome and he's going to get the Jews everything they ever wanted. And they're at this moment only to find out later that this was just the beginning of a much bigger plan that God had. So, Steve, what do you think on, on this? So it's it's interesting because that that week by itself is so loaded I mean, there's two things happening that's kind of overlaying each other. The Old Testament is literally coming alive as this is happening, right? Um, Palm Sunday, um, you know, the it was about it was, it was four days, uh, five days before what we know is Good Friday, right? And so on Palm Sunday, Jesus comes riding in on the back of a donkey, right? This was the first time, as you had mentioned, that he was allowed to be called the Lamb of God, right? This is where he finally, I mean, John the Baptist refers to him as that, but but this is really the point at which the Lamb of God that takes away the sins of the world. This is kind of his kingship. Now now he's coming in. Here's what's interesting is in the Old Testament, um, when they talked about the Passover, right? One of the things that happens, and you can I think you can read about this in Exodus 12, is the people were to choose a lamb. They were to choose a lamb on the 10th of Nisan, the first, um, the first month of, of, the, of the Jewish calendar. They were to choose a lamb on the 10th of Nisan. Then they were to examine it for four days for spot or blemish. And then on the 14th, if there was no spot or blemish, then that would be their Passover lamb that they would then sacrifice. And so if you look at this, Jesus comes in on the back of a donkey on the day that the people were choosing their lamb to be presented on the Passover later that week. And it was as if God was saying, here's the lamb of God. Here's my lamb. You're choosing your lamb. I'm presenting my lamb, right? And then you find out what happens. He goes back to Bethany that night. He comes back the next day. And for the next four days, he's challenged. He's examined for spot or blemish, right? You have the leaders that come up to him and say, tell us, was John, or he says, tell us, was John's baptism from men or from God? And they say, oh, well, and they reason amongst themselves, well, if we say it was from men, you know, if we say it was from God. And so, and so we say, well, we don't know. Jesus said, well, neither will I tell you. So he passed the test, right? Then they come up to him with a coin, tell us whose, whose image is on this, right? And, and Jesus haggles back with them and says, then give unto, unto Caesar what Caesar's unto God, what is God's? And they pass, he passes the test. And then they come up with this other scenario. Tell me, there was this guy that was married, you know, and he, and he, had, a, and he, and, and he had a wife and the husband died and then the brother took it. Whose wife will she be in the resurrection? And Jesus said, you're an heir. You don't know the scripture for in the resurrection, they're neither uh, presented or given in marriage. And, and, and he passed all the tests only to stand before Pilate and have Pilate say, I find no fault in him, right? And so as all of this is happening, really the Old Testament is being presented as kind of, you know, we have living nativities. It's like you have the, you, you have the living Passover, Passion Week that's just kind of happening. And then he's crucified. And it's interesting, um, on the Passover, if you look in the Old Testament, on the Passover, the very next day after the Passover started what was called the Feast of Unleavened Bread. It was a week-long feast, right? Well, that Sabbath, in the middle of that week, the Sabbath in the Feast of Unleavened Bread, the day after the Sabbath, which the Sabbath is on a Saturday, they had 
the Sunday, and it was what they called the first Feast of First Fruits, where the priest would go into the holy place and he would take a representation of the harvest and he would do a wave offering before the Lord as if he's saying, will you accept the harvest based on this representation? So the day after the Sabbath on that holy week was Sunday. And so as the priest is standing in the holy place, waving the wave offering, saying, will you accept the harvest based on this representation? God is raising Christ from the dead, and he's saying, I'll accept the harvest based on this representation. That's why Jesus is called the first fruits, right? And so you just have this amazing play that's just happening. You know, Jesus himself even said, as he was going, getting ready to go into the city, and he said, oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, you stone the prophets. If only you had known this thy day, the hour of your visitation, but because you haven't, your house is left to you desolate. And so Jesus is saying, you should have known. You, you should have gotten this. This is all there, right? And so when we talk about Passion Week, Mike, there's so much there, right? So much that that we just, we we miss. But I think probably the biggest thing is the fact of why Passion Week existed. And, and, and I think for churches around the world, you know, there's a clear reason why, you know, the son of God who was born into a manger as a child grew up. He didn't stay there. As long as we keep him in the manger, he's a cute little idea that we can go up and fondle his little neck and go, oh, how cute, how harmless. But he wasn't meant to live in the manger. He wasn't meant to stay there. He was meant to die on a cross because when you go from the manger to the cross, Mike, there is a huge, huge distinction and a decision that needs to be made because Jesus was innocent as a child and just this wonderful, beautiful baby in the manger. But when he still, when he went to the cross, there's, there's life changing decisions you need to make because he went to the cross for your sin. Right. And, and that's what the passion week is about. The lamb of God is being examined and, and he's coming in saying, look, I have the perfect life. There's no fault that can be found in me, you know, and I'm going to present that life to people in place for their sinful life, right? So there's so much, there's not only so much theology, there's just so much practical life that comes in in Passion Week. You know, um, you, you hear, you, you see the interactions that Jesus has with 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 religious people, right? And, and, and yet it's funny because you see the fickleness of the crowd. You see people that are following him, you know, um, and then you see people that are saying condemn him. That's a picture of us, right? He comes on the back of a donkey, right? I love that. God brings the son of God to the world on the back of a donkey. And Mike, it's been the same thing ever since, right? Jesus has come to the world on the back of donkeys like you and me. Right. I mean, it's just, that's the reality. <laughs> Jesus's transport isn't a Maserati. It's not a, you no, know, it, or a it is it or a chariot. It's a low donkey and that's the way it's always been. And so I, I love everything about Passion Week. There's so many so many areas we can go, so many paths we can take. There are because so much of it is the fulfillment of prophecy. Yeah. That it all fits together. There's it's just this amazing puzzle from the manger, actually before the manger, to the cross, time and time and time again. The scripture holds up, everything points to the gospel. That's the reason we have our hope. What I love about this particular narrative is how Everyone misses the point. We get the benefit of scripture and saying we understand in the context what this is. But the people there were experiencing something completely different with a completely different expectation of what was about to go down. If you told every person that was waving those palm branches that Jesus was going to be crucified like five days later, four days later, you're crazy. Yep, 100%. That's the thing. Jesus, th there was an expectation and a buzz in Jerusalem on that day. 
because what they had been anticipating, it was freedom from Roman rule. That's what they'd been anticipating. And so here comes their king riding on a donkey, right? And they're like, this is it, right? And so he comes in and even from the get-go, I mean, the, the thing about, I mean, there's, there's a message, there, there, there's an encouragement for every person in this week. I don't care where you're at. From, from the minute he's walking in and they're all saying, Hosanna, Hosanna, blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, you know, save now, right? And, and the religious people come up and say, you need to tell those people to be quiet. You need to tell those people to shut up. And Jesus says, well, if they don't sing, the rocks are going to sing, right? I mean, it's like, in other words, you, you the, the, the message is, is regardless of what you think, and who you think I am, um, I don't answer to you, right? So so for a person who's who's struggling, you know, in life with just thinking, well, gosh, there's so many different authorities in life and who's that and who's this? Jesus is saying, I'm I'm the authority. I I've just trumped all of the religious people by telling you, you don't get to tell me what to do. Um, you know, and then he goes in, right? And and so you see this interaction that he has with with people, with you think of Pilate, you know, I mean, Pilate's sitting there and and his wife comes up to him during that week and he says, I had a dream. Don't have anything to do with this guy. He's, you know, and so Pilate has an interaction with Jesus and Pilate thinks he's the man. And, and Jesus said, don't you, and he says, don't you know, I have the the power to, to kill you. And Jesus says, you don't have any authority over me other than that, which has been given. So here's what you see in, in a time when Jesus is quote unquote held captive, he's demonstrating an authority that says, all of this, you have no authority here. This is orchestrated. You don't even understand. Before the foundations of the world, you're not in charge of anything here. And there's something very powerful, Mike, in a message when when things are falling apart and, and you got somebody who stands up and they just say, no, all this is under control. You got the story of Barabbas. What a beautiful story of the gospel, right? You got a guy who's a criminal, guilty, and one who's not. And one is let go, the guilty's let go, and the innocent is step is is put in his place. I mean, what a beautiful picture of the gospel. You're let go of all your sins, and the innocent one, Christ, is the one who comes and dies in your place. I mean, pick a pick a pick a road, right? There, there's some message in this week that you'll be blown away by. Absolutely. We're out of time, but we'll pick up this conversation on our next episode. This has been Lose Yourself. For more information about Mike and his ministry, check out his blog at loseyourself.life. Until next time, make it your ambition to lose yourself to Christ. Lose Yourself is a ministry of Grace Church and Mike Cunningham and a production of Key Radio.